0: Today, I'm going to be talking to Nikki Torres. Nikki is an events manager, a cultural worker, and a writer. As an events manager working full-time for the Cultural Center of the Philippines, she has acted as production and stage manager for many local and international festivals. We are going to discuss what it's like working for a cultural government institution like the CCP, the State of Philippine Theater, the ins and outs of event and production management, and how live events like the Virgin Lab Fest are adapting to the COVID-19 crisis. This is FA-104, The Creative Professional.
1: My, my name is uh, Niki Torres. Uh, so right now, I am primarily a production manager for the Cultural Center of the Philippines, which is a government institution. It is the biggest government institution that deals with culture and the arts. Um, when I was in college, I actually studied uh, political science. I I love the social sciences, and they, they marry very well with um, with culture. Um As I was talking to you, Jamie, just a few minutes ago, I realized that I was in college in the late 80s, which means that in 1986, um, I was there. And uh, the faculty and uh, the academe had a similar issue. It was like, go to the rally. (laughs) What about your studies? So in UP at that time, uh, where I studied, in UP where I studied, uh, the decision was uh, for everyone to just either get a grade of pass or fail, similar right. to what's happening now.
0: Exactly so, right.
1: Um, yeah, so yeah, it it just occurred to me it's quite interesting because you <laughs> have that many decades ago. But again, uh, we 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 go through these crises on a, on periodically. And and we have to deal with them. And as a production manager, my job really is to deal with not just the planning, the execution, but all the crises that arise, big and small. Clearly, COVID is beyond big. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my job, to deal with uh, everything and, and figure out a way around it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of like with my students. A lot of them, of course, I, I have been focusing on you know creating their art and all that. Um, part of the the class that we've been taking has been uh, showing them. You know, there's, there are a lot of things that happen. You know, for your art to happen, uh, for your art to reach other people, so many other things have to happen. There's so many other people who have to be around that you have to work with and to collaborate with. Um, for example, because you're there in a, a cultural institution. Um, a, a very important cultural institution here in the country. Um, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what um, you know, what what it's what what has to happen? Like for for example, for a show to come about, um, how many what what kind of working parts um, you know uh, have to sort of gel and, and start moving for for these things to happen?
1: Uh, okay. Um... The, uh, in in terms of the government and arts and culture, you have two major organizations. Uh, one is the National Commission for Culture and the Arts, which was born in uh, 1987, after the revolution. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Cultural Center of the Philippines, which is a product of... of uh, w- which is a brainchild of Imelda Marcos, but which completely changed its focus after the revolution. It took us a long time. It took us a very long time to figure out our working relationship with the NCCA. But in the end, I think it would be interesting for the students to know that uh, one organization, the NCCA, has the funds. Mm -hmm. So And they have um, the network. Every other cultural organization, the National Library, the National Historical Commission, etc., are under the umbrella of the NCCA. So they have the power to effect um, change in terms of policies and all that because they have their all of their subcommittees and they have the funding. The okay. NCCA is organization that gives funds. As for the CCP, the CCP has the venues. We have the performance venues. We have the venues for screenings of films. We have the Uh, fine arts venues. We have the exhibit venues and we have institutional memory because every single thing which was performed at the CCP uh, was documented and stored in our archives Mm -hmm. and we're slowly digitizing that. For students, um, because we reorganized, the CCP reorganized, we now are divided not according to art form but according to function. Mm -hmm. So For students, we have what we call our arts education department, and it is their job to reach out and teach whatever art form there is. So, for instance, Jamie, for our project, the project that we worked on together before, the Virgin Lab Fest, the fellowship program is Mm. under arts education.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: So now my my role or my, my unit is almost... It's like the production arm of the building. Yeah. So uh, when we have student groups and occasionally we give students um, we, we give them uh, pro- venue grants. We are the people uh, who make this happen. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a good summary of my job. To make it happen within the laws of first the, the country of course everything has to be legal and then the bureaucracy, because it is a bureaucracy, hundreds right. and hundreds of papers. <laughs> so that's, I, I think, an overview. Of, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, what's the, bureau, the bureaucracy like working for a, a government constitution as opposed to, for example, like a lot of, I think a lot of the students might be, you know, start off working for many private organizations like ad agencies or studios and all that, um, for you, what's what's because it's it's government. What are what's the difference in being an employee for that kind of organization as opposed to uh, a more private one?
1: Ah, okay. Well, uh, the government has very stringent rules, and um, it, it 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 is a bureaucracy. There's no other word for it. There are systems in place which emanate from. Uh, the center, the national government. And occasionally, these systems uh, do not adjust to the nature of your job. Mm. Uh, However, I I, I think if uh, we were to look at it from a positive point of view, the major difference between a private corporation and a government corporation is in terms of funding, we have to be very careful because we are taking care of taxpayers' money. And as such, in terms of auditing, in terms of finance, uh, we have to be very careful about what we spend on because we are spending your money. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of uh, systems, um, although we are trying very, very hard to be paperless, we are not paperless. It's very clear because... um, Because, again, uh, we are so careful about our expenditure that you might need four or five eyes to approve a single document. So it is really much slower. Uh, Although, um, in the time of Arroyo, there was an attempt to streamline the government Mm -hmm. and to get rid of positions which were either duplicating each other or which were deemed... uh, you know, uh, useless, really, for lack of a better word. The other thing with the government is in terms of our job security, you have much more job security in the government as compared to the private sector. If you are in a private company, and I have worked for a private company, your boss is is the king, and provided he doesn't do anything illegal, it is completely his option whether to keep you there or not. Not so with the government. You cannot, once you are hired, you cannot be fired unless you go through many, many steps. Um, I mean, for instance, in the government, the the rule is that a piece of paper, a document, should not stay on your desk for more than um, 14 working days. (laughs) But fourteen working days is a long time. That's two weeks, yeah. three weeks in our case because we only have four-day work right.
0: weeks. Oh, Tuesday to Friday. That, yeah, that, no yeah.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> that cannot be in a in a private organization. You get a piece of paper. You get a document. You gotta get it out within yeah. the hour. But the, yeah, the, there's actually an office order to that degree to, to uh, that states that so. Uh, if anyone has fallen in line in any government agency <laughs> that explains it <laughs>
0: uh, okay i didn't know that <laughs> with <laughs> with um what do you call this um one of the things i i always you know that talk to people about especially now i think it's it's become very clear where, um with this crisis the the it especially in the artistic fields you're always trying to figure out do i um up for employment where there's more security, but at the same time, I don't have as much control over, you know, uh, cause I'm basically not my own boss. I, I, I have to, um, you know, uh, either follow what, uh, the head of the company or the organization does or the government does as opposed to being a freelancer or, you know, I'll start my own studio or my own theater company or my own, uh, band or studio or whatever, um, And then, of course, now when the whole world, the whole country, suddenly come to a standstill, um, the question becomes: uh, Okay, so you know, we're losing projects, things are, there's no income and all that, and the importance of security, you know, becomes an an issue. Um, How, like, like for you, how do you think um, the creative fields are are dealing with that? Like, because uh, we've we've been seeing a lot of uh, things online that you know many. It seems that a lot of people in the creative fields are apparently freelancers also um and so is there a reason why uh one is there a reason why do you think there there's so many uh are are people forced to be freelance of the nature of the industry is it, or is it more of a choice thing just or um and is that something that should change later on do you think So one thing like okay, for but... example in 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 performing arts like uh, like for example one of the big controversies before I think it was the whole Ballet Philippines thing. Yeah. Uh, where ba, uh, <laughs> which me and my wife of course were also embroiled the, the talking about. Um, but sure. that but, like but but in Ballet Philippines like them there the, the dancers they are mostly employees, they're the company members. Um if I if I got it correctly. While in other other theater companies they use a lot of, of more freelancers. Um so Um, those are like two different, from what I understand, those are two different, very different models of how two different kinds of companies operate. Do you think with with what's been happening now, is there going to be a shift of the way companies um, bring in people?
1: uh, It's a matter of numbers. I think it's a matter of numbers because to my knowledge, there is only one theater company, which is Tanghalang Pilipino, the resident theater company of the CCP, that uh, pays its actors, actor's company, they pay them on a salary basis regardless of whether there is a performance or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Ballet Philippines also has that capability, but no one else does. Right. Um, the problem here is that uh, we are not yet, we, we, are, we keep pushing Congress and the DTI to recognize culture and the arts as a creative industry which means that uh, we need them to recognize that the gross national product, a significant part of the gross national product, comes from the arts. Arts. uh, And culture and everything that that encompasses. Because we're talking right now, Jamie, we we are very familiar with the performing arts scene. But right now, even a visual artist, for instance, would probably not have uh, the ability to exhibit his works, to have them sold, etc. So the arts in general is suffering because in general in this country, everyone is freelance. Right. What would motivate a company to, get the, to give regular employment to the artist? I think what would motivate them to give regular employment, which means salaries twice a month with the benefits and all of that, what would motivate them to do that would be the steady in, uh, influx of income. Mm-hmm. Income comes with sponsors, income comes with audience. Those things do not come in regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanghalang Pilipino will have six productions per year. Um, no, uh, PETA will have a similar number, Dulang UP, but Dulang UP is a teaching arm. Ballet companies have much fewer. So because they have that, and you cannot really charge thousands for your ticket. So mm-hmm. it goes down to numbers. You cannot employ people regularly if you do not have the guaranteed income to do that. And um, I know that there are um, attempts, There, there is an ongoing uh, fight or People are going to Congress. They are going to the Department of Trade and Industry. They are going there just to just so people are encouraged to treat our industry as an industry and not something for fun. Now right. in comes COVID. In comes COVID, and people lose jobs. People lose jobs because they are freelance. And I don't think people are freelance by choice. Mm -hmm. They are freelance because there simply is not enough people to hire them on a regular basis. And then if you look at the term freelance, you also have to understand that uh, every company, ballet, folk dance, uh, theater, etc., will have a pool of freelancers. So it almost feels like this one person is regularly, regularly employed by this company, but That's not actually true. He's only employed on a per show basis. It's just that you have preferences as to which people you get, including the CCP. So in comes COVID and suddenly everyone is out of a job. Uh, I personally am very proud of the performing arts community because um, within a week of COVID, within a week of the lockdown... I was getting messages left, right, and center, and I was having to gather the data on the daily wage earners, on the people who were paid minimum wage from the resident theater from the resident companies of the CCP and from the freelance um, from the freelancers whom we work with regularly at the CCP and we submitted this to artists welfare we submitted this to the local governments of manila and pasay because during the first week of the lockdown people were already looking at means to assist people there have been other um initiatives and um as you know jamie i'm 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 quite proud of the lab fest on yeah. the last day before the lockdown we had a uh, a meeting. It was our annual meeting of directors and playwrights. And then we explained, and other companies have done, have done this. Um, we revised contracts because it is possible to revise a contract or put an addendum to the contract. Mm. Most freelancers will have contracts that will say that they get paid in full right after the show what we did was we revised the contracts so that we would pay them in part after deliverables. Mm. So what did this imply? This implied that stage managers, whether the LabFest pushed this through or not, will get paid in part after the first production meeting, after the first design meeting, after the technical rehearsals. So that's the way we did it. We revised all contracts so that everyone, once they submitted a particular deliverable, would be able to get like ten percent of 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 whatever they they were promised in the beginning. And then we went on, and uh, by by the second week of the uh, of of the lockdown, we had already made the decision to uh, um, put all the LabFest plays online. In that way, everyone still had a job. That's one. But even more, you uplift everyone's... Uh, it sounds really badoy, but you uplift everyone's spirits by not cancelling.
0: Right.
1: And I'm not talking of just the people within the LabFest community. I'm also talking about... Um, About our audience. Because in the middle of all of the cancellations, it is great to hear that someone did not cancel.
0: It's just in a different
1: format, right? Um, So that is the initiative which we undertook. And I think in terms of your students, it is an initiative that they would understand much better than I would. Because then you are growing with the times. That's what you're trying to do and that's kind of the job of production as well you take your reality and you move forward and you mm-hmm. try your very best to deal with what there is without the dreaded word cancellation right. now the reality of, of this whole thing is that I was able to justify employing everyone except our stage hands mm-hmm. because there's nothing physically to move so, I'm very proud of your former stage manager, Lorraine, <laughs> and, and another SM, Mara, because they undertook
0: a the, the, private they're, they're effort hat. Yeah.
1: Yeah, to raise funds for the eight people who lost jobs. And that was their initiative. That was c- clearly their initiative. So, that's it. That's also an example of, of people... Um, not sitting down and waiting. I think that's important in this job. You don't sit down and wait for the mountain to come to you. You are proactive. For example, um, whenever as a production manager, right, there's always plan A, plan B, plan C. So you cannot panic. So right now, internally, uh, our new festival director and I, we have like uh, Code Green is... (laughs) The lockdown is lifted. Life goes back to normal. (laughs) Hindi pa rin itutuloy yung full staging because there's just no time anymore to do that. But recordings and the online streaming will be done at the CCP. We don't bring equipment out, etc. It will be beautifully done. Code yellow is the lockdown is lifted, but for whatever reason, we cannot use the CCP because we're very near PICC, which is becoming a quarantine area, which has become a hospital. And then the directors do the live streaming from their homes. We provide them with equipment. We're able to travel there and make sure that it's well done. Code red is the lockdown is not lifted. Staged readings will be done with actors in different sites, with the stage manager in different sites via zoom or whatever there we actually have an online tech team right now who is trying you know they're trying to figure out the best way to do that so i mean it it sounds self-serving to promote my own project but i think it's a matter of this is how we do it you look at the realities and i think this is where it helps that i i'm actually so deeply into the social sciences my husband teaches history you look at your reality, your, your current reality, you look at the laws of your building, the, the rules governing your mm-hmm. building, and you look at your product, and you figure out how you can do it. Hanggat kakayanin. Like, so, ngayon, di ba, every year we have like, uh, titibok-tibok, virgin okay. lamp, whatever, titibok-tibok. Ngayon, just because of everything... You know, in, in, de fa- <laughs> it talaga. de facto. De eh, facto, we were like talking amongst ourselves, and they na natin it because it's That's one way of dealing with this whole thing. Number one, the legal, you deal with their contracts because you do have an obligation to them and you want to help everyone because, you know, freelancers have a difficult time these days. And number two, the creative merged with the beauty of today's technology.
0: Yeah. One thing, just to go back on the thing about, um, the companies who are able to give, uh, regular employment, for example, like you're saying, like, Filipino. So is it, um, because these are resident companies like Ballet Philippines, uh, Camp Filipino. Um, I know, like, for example, I, I know with Ballet Philippines, one reason they're able to do it, also they have a board, basically, though so they're at war with their board right now, but <laughs> the board is basically what, um, you know, gives them yes. sort of <laughs> the funding that yeah. like, gives them their, their safety net. Um, with the Philippines, do, do they have a similar setup? Because you know that, like I know with Bali Philippines, that's what allows them to to operate that way. Um, they sort of have a, 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 a like you were saying sponsors in a way.
1: Um, I I think what's important for people to know, and not very many people realize, is is that all the resident companies of the CCP, except for the Philippine Philharmonic Orchestra, no, the rest are independent companies. Yeah, like, they all private, have, yeah. Yeah, they're private companies and um, what the CCP provides is less, less than the amount they need to put up a single production. But yes, TP has a similar system to Bale Philippines. They have a very active board and at some point they had similar members in, in, in their board. And uh, the board's primary task is to continue raising funds. But you cannot um remove the fact that the major um uh, expenditure of of many other companies outside of the c c p would be venue right because none of the resident companies of the c c p pay rental for yeah, the that times that's, that's,
0: that they use that's, that's, that's like the subsidy of the government basically that the use of the c c p uh, the subsidy uh, of the
1: government for the various resident companies varies, but there is always a cash amount,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which changes per company. There is a cash amount, uh, and then there is the use of venues, which is a major deal. Bali Philippines and Nanghalang Pilipino clearly have the biggest part of the that pie in terms of use of venues. Because the, the use of venues does not end with the physical use, I mean, just the floor and all of that they do not pay for utilities either, mm. which is not a small thing. Yeah. And then there are the little extras. So like the use of CCP vehicles, which is, you know, trucking is very expensive. Um, to say yeah. uh, oh, oh, uh, the use of the technical equipment of the CCP. But the, the, ve- the use of the venues particularly the theaters and the cash, that is the biggest part of the pie. So it allows them to have like a strong base from which to move on. PETA is a success story because they used to stage things in Intramuros, mm-hmm. uh, in Fort Santiago, and they didn't own that venue. Intramuros administration managed that. But after many years, they raised enough funds and they put up their own building, Right. But now they're grappling with the issue of being landowners because now they have to pay tax, now they have to pay utilities, now they have to pay security guards, all of that. So I had a conversation with Melvin Lee and he's like, Nikki, that's why some of our shows have to be commercial, not just, you know, for the cost.
0: That's why it's a lack of (laughs) ages every every year at least.
1: (laughs) I know, they were so so, sometimes when you want to make funds, and, and that's the reality, you have to do something uh, commercial, for lack of a better word. Things Sometimes you want to do something which is close to your heart, etc. I know that Gantimpala, for instance, for the longest time, they had their four classics, which made lots of money, which allowed them to do their more experimental works. Yeah. That was their strategy. But right now, kasi, if you were to compute the amount and the money needed, uh, because, if for instance, for ballet, you would need to maintain a company of no less than twenty people, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And to maintain that, salaries alone, because once you have dancers, then you need accountants, you need, etc. and so on and so forth. So, it's no joke.
0: Yeah, like the, with, I, know, I know with 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 ballet yeah. Philippines, like one of the parts of their business model is that the school they have a school, and actually the ballet the 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 BP Dance School actually brings in a lot of income for the company itself. Even though um, there were some years like Syria would tell me there's some years actually it would bring in more income than the company shows itself.
1: Um, I'm pretty so, sure, but they would not be able to have a school if they didn't
0: have a venue for the school. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So that's also the yeah.
1: Yeah, that's because the other ballet companies, for instance, uh Philippine Ballet Theater, mm-hmm. uh, when periodically Meralco will tell them that um we may kick you out, whatever, there's periodic negotiations about that. Then right. they they go to um it's a major deal. Venues yeah. are such a big deal. And then audiences you know very well that um we depend we still depend heavily on students to mm, yes. watch our shows. There are very few that, that do not depend on students. And I honestly believe that in terms of marketing, we should move away from that and, and go to the enthusiasts yeah. rather than the students. Because as a parent, although my kid is way beyond that age, uh, you know, you give them allowance, you give them this, and then school is not cheap. Yeah. Uh, I probably would not give my kid money to go to the CCP more than once a month. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> if she were of school age, now I'd say na yeah. balaka yeah. <laughs> once a month I can give you, but beyond that, expensive.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, like even us in comics, for example, that's that's really. Uh, because of course, with schools, it's it's basically captive audience. You just have to yeah. market to the teachers or the principals, and then they say, "Okay, we'll bring our whole school with us." Like like with us, with my comics, we do school tours. Also, we you know we do events in schools, and then yes. you know although we we sell, we don't. It's not required for them to buy, but it gives us a chance to talk to when we we perform our comics in front of the students directly. We get to sell directly to them, but it, it, at least you know rather than marketing to individual it's, it's a lot easier on our end you know we also have limited resources to just um, you know talk to a single person a school institutional even i think the bigger uh, publishers do the same thing like when they have children's books you know they're they're yeah, yeah. So it's interesting with, with the arts basically it's 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 almost like it's almost like a b2b in a way it becomes like uh, yeah. <laughs> institution to institution selling in a way i i yeah so the, the I think the crucial thing is right now with with, um, with COVID, Now, as you're saying, I, I, it's very interesting what you're saying about you know the way historians would look at or social scientists look at things where this is the, the reality and then this is the past. You have to adjust. It's kind of like what I was telling. Because in our course, um, I kind of structured our syllabus to be like I said, we're going to treat it like a business plan. Your, your yeah. career. When you graduate, you have to treat it. Even if you're not starting a business, you're just getting a job. But you still have to think of your own career as a business. And I said, you know, when when I took my master's, what you do is you, you do an external analysis. You look at the world outside. You look at the, peso, yes. you look at the political, uh, economic, social, technological, environmental, legal um, aspects. What, what are happening out there? You know, find out what are the opportunities, and threats out there. Then you look inward. You look at your 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 uh, Strengths and weaknesses internally. Yes. Um, then after that, you, you unify that and you adjust and you make a strategy based on that. Um. So it, it for me it's very interesting. I, re, I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, even historians, social scientists, <laughs> do the same thing, basically because reality is always changing. But as you're saying now, like you know, if if venue is very uh, key to many live performances in the theater world, and then now of course, the, um, there there's always been that 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 uh, Drum song of, you know, we have to shift to digital, digital has to play a part in something. And, um, you know, now many uh, artists, many companies are forced to be digital. With like, like LabFest, you're forced to be digital now. Um, what does that, for, for you, for example, like because you, you are the CCP and, and the, the business of is as you said, it's venue management, providing venue. Um, yeah. <laughs> if what happens now is not, it is the new normal now, that, for example, that um, one, how are companies uh, i mean like performance companies uh, do you think they're going to are they going to see that we have to either include this or even maybe shift a lot of it to digital because people are used to it now or uh, and um if you are like for your for for your with the c c p is that something that you have to include more of like now we have to have now recording equipment and higher broadband and and you know we have to get stage managers who know how to do you know their chat and, and and all these things
1: okay that's um that's really looking into the future. however, uh when we were designing this whole digital platform, and we're not quite done designing it, um I had to go to experts to because I'm not a techie I had to ask someone to educate me because I didn't know who to hire who would do this, who would do that. In fact, I didn't quite know what needed to be done. Now, um, one of the directives of our artistic director was to um, recognize that putting things on digital, uh, in the digital format, did not mean that it would become a film. It would have to retain, because you cannot lose sight of what your product ultimately is. So. Uh, the word he used was liveness. It would have to retain the sense of being theater, of being intimate theater, of being live.
0: There's, so there's that no is cuts, a challenge. Edits, close-ups, yeah, camera angles yeah. are not Uh-oh. a it, part of the it's uh, not a narrative. Film. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, um, do we need to go more into the digital form? I think so, because we cannot ignore science, and right now science tells us that in as much as in a few months we may be able to deal with COVID, there was SARS before, there was S1N1. There are an increasing number of these problems, so social distancing might be our new reality. So we have to be ready for that. But does this mean that live performance per se will disappear? I don't think so. I really don't think so because um, I have never yet heard of an art form that disappeared. We will have to adjust. Actually, one of our first acts with the Lab Fest, when you know, of course, we read the newspaper and everything. One of our first acts was to cut our audience in half mm. because remember, the right. Lab Fest magakatbiyan
0: nila sexican, right? right. right? Like the so your beaches really, yeah, yeah. So if, and this would have been the first year the in the with the black box is that right was that isn't no, it supposed no. to be the first? No, Not yet.
1: It it should have been, but you know the the black box is a whole other story altogether. But mm. um, so what we were going to do was we cut our audience in half so that there would be social distancing, and if that is necessary for the future to ensure that um, live performances push through, then so be it. So we just have to continuously. I I, I know a lot of artists, sadly, who do not like reading the newspaper, who like reading Facebook as a source of news more than the newspaper. But I think if you are in production management, or if you are in in an artistic director, even you have to keep track of what is going on. And then you have to know who to ask for information in in terms of how you can adjust. For example, one of the questions that I had to ask um, a lawyer was uh, broadcast rights for playwrights and directors is totally different from the rights for live performance. Right. What are we talking about now that we are live streaming? Is that the Mm -hmm. equivalent of broadcast rights? Because certainly the potential of live streaming is thousands of times bigger than our (laughs) 330-person capacity. Right. right. Um, well, technically, he said it is not part of broadcast rights, but of course, it is still something that we have to bring up with um,
0: with our yeah, directors it's, and it's, Yeah, Yes, I think when I looked in the like when I was teaching our class on intellectual property. Um, you know, intellectual property law in the Philippines hasn't quite caught up yet to oh. <laughs> uh, the technology now. It, you know?
1: it really hasn't. It really hasn't. Because if you think about it, once you live stream something, uh, it, it's a different story altogether. I think right now, what's happening right now during the lockdown or the quarantine or whatever you choose to call it is, uh, people are doing a lot of things out of goodwill.
0: Yeah. Now,
1: the question is, after the quarantine, when will that goodwill turn into a business model? Right. No one is thinking of that yet, but someone exactly. has to think of that because, um, like right now, uh, I have a meeting with our marketing team tomorrow because then they have to figure out how do you accept payments for an online performance? Will, because, uh,
0: that,
1: yeah. uh, uh, we don't know yet. Well, they, they have to figure that out because <laughs> thus far everyone has been doing donations. How do you accept payments how do you block it from people who did not pay That is now the challenge uh, to the computer guys I don't know that they, they, they they've been yeah we, we are figuring that out and then in terms of the accountants and all of that the business people we have to figure out the after after this whole, charitable let us just be one let us be happy etc after that whole business when you go out and you want to push this as an industry then a business model has to be made about all of these online shows
0: right first I comment. think yeah I think like for me my, my view as someone who's tried I've tried also you know uh, delving into into online online content uh, like with YouTube and all that one of the things um, I've noticed for example of course one of the challenges that there's a sort of a loss in 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 the value of something when it's online yeah. and free, you know the perception. Yeah. That's why for me the nice thing about digital is I, I agree with you that you will not live work performances will not disappear mainly because um, digital cannot cannibalize that because the experience is totally different, and I think people will still always uh, value something that is live, something that is yes. uh, unscripted. Yeah, you know, I mean not not unscripted but un. Um, in a way, uncontrollable. <laughs> it's like a yeah. live performance. Yeah. It's a, it's a set. You don't know what's going to happen. Something could mess up or something could be um, ad-lib or, you know, or audience reaction. Yeah. So that's There's something... There's nothing like, like live. The, the, the music industry found that out and basically that, you know, it, they, they shifted before when they, they started losing income from from albums and cassettes and CDs. They, they figured, you yeah. know, yeah, we can... Stream it. We can make some money in like in, in, in Spotify or iTunes, but the real money comes from the concerts. Actually, we and the merchandise and all that. That's where the big money is. The live aspect and digital is just part of creating an audience. Um, but I think that the the challenge now for me, like one thing I've noticed with digital is that the challenge is that um, you can reach a wider audience, but. It, it's digital is really more about audience building, and yeah. um, the percentage of the, that audience that's willing to pay is you know like one percent at, at best, one to two. It's very
1: small. It's very small. For example, with uh, they streamed um, on Goldfish the Professor Dimandal the uh, last week, and then I understand that uh, the viewership was almost a million, mm-hmm. pretty big. And then they got a substantial amount, but it did not reach twenty thousand. Mm. So it, it's 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 gratifying that uh, that it, it that a lot of people donated and were willing to pay. But if you look at the ratio of actual audience versus donations, because previously right. we kept we keep thinking of digital or or online as a means to market. Right, right now we are being forced to think of it. As a means to to, to stage. Yeah, and or it's it very becomes difficult. a product
0: itself. Yeah, that it's the yeah. product itself.
1: Uh-uh. So it, it becomes, that is a challenge now, how to um, wrap our heads around it and how to deal with that. Because um, we, we were totally unprepared. We were totally unprepared for, for that whole idea of, of going online. Pero, I, I I would like to think that I mean in, in terms of your students, for example, um, this is what you do: you go out, right. you find out what is legal, and then you ask permission just so you know. Out of the twelve featured works, three three playwrights and dis- directors chose not to be part of the digital format. Oh, that's
0: why there's right, only fine. nine. Yeah, yes. I, I, it's on the announcement. There's only nine. I thought there used to be twelve.
1: Right? No, we had to give them the option because it is their right. call. Our commitment to them was totally different from what we are doing now. Right. But we had to make it their call because ultimately copyright belongs to them. Correct. We respect that. And if they do not want to see their place done in that format, then yeah. I I actually completely understand yeah, it's within the and, rights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Naman. uh see so, mung uh, format, no matter what you say now you're going to make an effort, etc. and so on and so forth. In the end. Yeah. Uh it's their baby and if they don't want to see it like that, then that's fine. And and but this is a luxury thing in the sense that we never actually made a lot of money out of this project. That's the thing also about the government. It is not our job to make a lot of money. Right we will survive even without that because we have funding. Private, the private sector has to keep pushing, pushing, pushing because once, once you lose your funding, then no more, that's it, no more shows, no more whatever, no more products and a lot of people lose their jobs and it's always such a fine balance.
0: Is that, just to sort of segue with that, um, Because it's a government, uh, like with the CCP, for example, and maybe even the projects um, that the the CCP helps um, subsidize or sponsor. Uh, So, is there really less of a pressure to be like more commercial, more popular? Uh, Because it's you know it's um, so yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we we
1: have the luxury of doing art because it is our mandate is not to make money. Well, it, it is not our mandate to make money. Of course.
0: It's just an if operational we, ex- excess if ever oh, you oh. make money. It's a profit. If
1: we make money, <laughs> fantastic, ba?
0: Yeah. It just funds the next uh, the next project, no? huh?
1: it's
0: Just what? like whatever you make ex- excess, just, yeah. just fund the next project. It's yeah. not like there's no dividends to shareholders to give or anything like that. Yes. It,
1: it's always a good thing to... And and then in terms of practice, I think as a production manager, regardless of whether it is uh, your mandate to turn a profit, I think as a a PM, it is your job to monitor budget Mm. and to make sure that you, at the very least, break even. That's that's still my job, regardless of... You know, it's very hard. It's A lot of people in the government Sorry to say this, because you're so secure with your job. You, you it's your little box, you know. Uh, you, you really don't try to go beyond, uh, and that is very sad. I, 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 I think uh, if you're in the business of the arts, you keep pushing, you keep pushing, and you ch- keep trying to think of ways to to move forward. Because if we didn't do that, then we would simply have canceled the lab Fest. Then for Cinemalaya, the filmmakers for this year, sorry na lang. But Cinemalaya, what they're doing naman is, next year, instead of just 12 new featured films, they will have 24, kasi this year plus next year. Yeah. So everyone has to find a way. Everyone has to find a way around things.
0: So being you're saying like being a... a, a uh, we have a production manager also. For the, the people who are in, in behind the scenes, stage and all that, um, a lot of people think that, you know, enter the arts. Of course, you always think about the the, the performers, the really artistic side. But actually, like, you guys in, in, in production, stage managers, um, sound engineers, all that, they're also part of the creative fields, basically. Um, you know, and because, of course, I teach just being a creative professional. And I have some, like, some of my students, they're actually stage managers in, in Ateneo and all that um and, you know, and they were also asking so you know what, what what are the prospects going to be like what skills do i have to to know about and even some people who want to be maybe performers down the line um you know some of them want to start out also being you know as uh, sms or as a broad crew what what um what advice would you give them for example uh, what skills do they need to have what's or what what's it like to be a production manager um yeah for for, yeah. for performance that they have to you know sort of prepare for what's what what things do you think that they need to um, learn what mindset do they have to have?
1: Okay, um, well, this reminds because a long time ago, for ten years I handled the CCP summer arts workshop. ten pretty long years. Now, what I learned from that afterwards was, Uh, The people who stayed in the business afterwards were not the people who took acting classes, Mm. singing classes, etc. The people who stayed in the field and who continued to find jobs were the stage managers, uh, the lighting designers, the backstage people. So, that's one. Now, just the other day when I was talking to um, JK, my festival director, about our online team he was talking about getting interns from theater. And I said, do you need interns from theater or do you need interns from engineering or computer sciences? And I liked his response. What he told me was, we need people who understand theater first, but who also know about technology. So number one, kasi if you're in this business, I think you are first and foremost an artist, Or someone who loves the arts. There's just no other way around it. Because you cannot think. If you're a stage manager. You have to continuously think of what um, the artist needs. And if you do not understand the mindset of the artist. Then you're kind of in trouble. And the only way to do that. Is to be in his world. Really. And um, now. What would I tell your students? I would tell them be patient. Because. Because. This is a terrible time, but it will pass. And after it passes, this is what the CCP, because we continue all our meetings, this is a prediction of the CCP. It will take at least a year before the audience decides to go back to the audience, to to the theater. Because there is that fear. There is that fear. And you have to allow people to get over that fear. So, be patient because when the wave comes, in terms of the performances, events, even commercial events, you're talking product launches and everything, it will come. And when it comes, then you have to be ready with your skill set and even more with your attitude. I personally like people who mean, between a brilliant person with a bad attitude and a person who is willing to be taught, who is not necessarily brilliant, but who has a good attitude, I would take the person with a good attitude, always. Now, what a backstage person needs to have, I think it's very crucial, is the ability to communicate. Because um, the ability to communicate, meaning for me, the ability to listen and to understand what the other person is saying so that you can translate it into the terms of your job. And then the ability to talk about what you need to do, how you need to do it, and how the other people in your team can can help you with it or how you can ha- enhance your jobs. And I say this because um, so often people presume that the job is being done so often they uh, are quiet about their own difficulties that so there is no one there to help them okay. so if you're able to communicate and if you're able if you have the a lot of people know how to talk and very few people know how to listen if you're able to listen and translate it because it in backs it's so a backstage that's what you do you translate the, the artist's desires for, uh, I don't know, um, a shower at this point in time, or television sets, or, or, or whatever, into uh, cables, and, and into concrete form. So more than anything else, if you're able to communicate, for me, that's really half the battle.
0: Actually, that, 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 that's a good one thing I wanted to ask you also was, um, it, it's good that you mentioned you know, the kind of people uh, you you want you like to work with. Wh- what you look for when you're looking for people you can collaborate with. I've always wondered, like, how do you find? Because you know, you, you, as you said, you don't have um, the way I understand it. You know, SMs are not also employed by uh, the CCP and all that. A lot of them are also freelancers. So how do you find um, find the people? So you know, for people who are looking, like if the students are looking for jobs, you are looking for opportunities. Um, it, it'd be good to know how do organizations, companies, or, or, or uh, people like you, how do you find people? Uh, how do how should they network? How should they get them get themselves known in the community? You know what?
1: Through the years, because in, in in the beginning, uh, it was very difficult. In the beginning, it was very difficult because then you would have to send an open call out, and then a lot of people would apply and, and you didn't know them from Adam. Um, but now, of course, with the popularity of the product, uh, people come to us even before we send a call. Now, the other thing that we have done that the CCP is uh, actively doing is we link up with schools because um, my friend, see, Dennis Marzigan, was telling me the other day that there is going to be an association of um, schools with theater arts courses because apparently there's 19 now in that single association. So it's almost like a job fair. Now that we know that there is such an association, we can go shopping there. Mm -hmm. Um, Now what your students can do is they can keep an eye and then since I'm sure they're almost always online anyway, they can keep an eye on the websites of, of the companies which they are interested in because that's where it comes out. It comes out online.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then um, I know that this is a very emotional business, but uh, one thing I would say is try not to burn your bridges because the network is very important. Uh, it's, it, it's always like this person knows someone who knows that person, etc., And then if you are indeed in a position, um, like if you're a stage manager or a production manager, if you're in the position to to hire people or to deal with other people, uh, you have to have a good reputation. Because some people will refuse to work with people who have not so good reputations. So, I mean, as early as now, I'm telling you, um, Ateneo is an excellent school, but there are people who don't represent well. Mm. So, it's it's a personal reputation. It helps that uh, people come from a good school, right? That right. really, really helps. But, in the end, it is your personal reputation. Yeah.
0: I think I know. are you talking about the I think I kinda of know what you are talking about with that enable? No. There's someone eh. anyway. <laughs> year is
1: there
0: anyway. Last year's allegor. Last year? Is that is this last year's Lap Fest? Yeah. I think I know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> so bad. That's so bad. But anyway. Speaking of Sayang. that, like, can you Yeah. yeah, can, can you can you share like which, like what what are some experiences you've had um uh, good, maybe good experiences, uh, a good anecdote and a bad anecdote that you know that uh, maybe we can learn from. Like, uh, you know, this is what it's like when you're working with someone who's really good, and this is what's like. Oh my gosh, it's a nightmare. This is how you kind of have to handle it.
1: Okay, because uh, when 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 you do a festival, you're dealing with in the case of the Love Fest, 21 directors, 21 playwrights, and then these are. Um, not always very easy people to deal with. Um, and then 80 actors. What what people have to understand about a festival, any kind of festival, national theater festival, etc., is that every single portion has to work perfectly, otherwise it's domino, everything falls down. So... Um, we had, uh, Lord, we had an actress. Oh, no, we had an actor, but we had an actor who did not tell us that he was a flight steward. He did mm-hmm. not tell us. And uh, the way Love Fest works, as you know, is three plays, and then the guy was in the first play. And when we were looking for him, then we learned that he had a flight to Japan, mm-hmm. and the flight. <laughs> The flight had not returned to the Philippines. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I'm not kidding. It had not returned to the Philippines by like uh, two hours before the start of the play. It was still in the air. Oh, wow. Uh, Oh, my God. He arrived. uh, So we already had a plan B. We would switch plays around and everything. And I was like, my God, and the director for the second play is Odihemora, and the director for the other play is Carlito Sigundrena. You could have, that is your reputation gone. Right. 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 That's your reputation. No more. Here I just, like, our stagehands were literally on stage about to switch sets around he came running straight from the airport because we were like, "Naglanding na, pero hindi pa siya bumaba like, bakit hindi pa siya bumaba ba? Kasi Stuart siya, ay, oh sige, dahil last ganyan. So, terrible, terrible, terrible. But, that's one way never to get the job again. Yeah. <laughs> Promise. Perfect. You want to lose it. We, you right. could not replace him because ayan na yan, but okay. never again. Now, if you're going to talk about uh, good experiences, Madame, Ian, I mean, right now, I'm still stuck on Mara and Lorraine raising okay. funds, and they yes. have quite an amount for stage hands. And um, beyond that, I have one stage manager who has committed half of her pay for that. So there are many good people. And then you also have um see si Carlito Sigunrena who is you know a well-known director in in the film industry I of all the directors labas he's the one who messages me the most because he said he is very careful not to step on anyone's toes and he knows that his primary medium is film so he wants to learn about theater And I appreciate that very much. I mean, you can message me. You know that I'm online like 90% of the time. You can message me as often as you want. I will respond, provided, especially when I see that you are doing it for a good cause. And then you have uh, the cast of Goldfish ni Professor Di Maandal. When they performed for Open House, I had two cast members over the age of 60 who had never heard of Zoom. <laughs> you know, see, si Sherry Lara and uh, Tita Peewee. See si Tita Sherry, whenever she asks for LabFest, hands her phone to one of us to say, can you book me a grab car because I don't know how to book. <laughs> and yet, they entered into the realm of Zoom so that funds could be raised. No questions asked about getting paid. They were just like, no, let's raise funds. And then they did raise funds. So it's a community. I think in the end, if your students would have any problem at all, it is a problem of dealing, of of separating what is personal and what is professional because it's very difficult in our industry. It is both intensely personal and intensely professional. So. Drawing that line is is something that we all have to deal with yeah. how do you deal with that exactly and you learn that through experience really
0: okay. so one you know one thing I also wanted to ask you about was you know um you mentioned earlier, like the, the CCP is something that was started by, by Imelda Marcos also. And I, I think one of the big issues that, that's one of the issues that's been happening the last few months, if not the last few years also, is, um, artists having to deal with, um, uh, how to balance, uh, you know, livelihood, art, but now not just livelihood and art, as we talked about earlier, but li- uh, art, livelihood, and even your your, your, your values, your ethics, your morals. Um, you know, we've had we've had issues where you know, uh, in Ateneo, Arete that conflict. I'm sure you guys yeah. have faced it many times because many, of many. the the yeah the legacy. So how how, how um, like, what's your take on how how can for the students how would they deal with that if there's something where like because again like uh, if your job is you know, uh, for for a freelancer it's, sometimes it's a little easier to just say okay I won't take on that project. But if you're an employee where you, you can't just say oh, I won't take this on because this is my 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 job, you know, it's it's not as easy to 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 dismiss.
1: It's a personal choice. In the end, it is a personal choice. For me, in the end, what happens is I just have to express what I feel. So, for example, when there was that very sudden, unbelievably sudden for me, uh, dinner for Imelda Marcos. They told me the day before, the day before it happened, that I would be the production manager, and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's tomorrow. And then it's Imelda. Thank you very much. Now, um, it's beyond annoying. But anyway, so uh, uh, I spoke to my supervisor about it. And then I told him that um, politically, morally, although I recognize that she founded the CCP, I do recognize that the CCP is different now from the way she did it. So I spoke to him about it and he asked me if I wanted to be relieved. But then my issue was that I could get relieved. I, I have the ability to communicate. But what about the crew? What about the lower-ranking people who do not have the, the chutzpah to communicate with, with their boss and say, I don't like this. So that is why I said, no, I will stay so I can at least take care of the boys. Because there were many, many issues with that dinner, not beyond uh, the what was published. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. I I was able to express myself. I put it on record, but it was my job. Now, as to for ex- another example, would be APEC, ASEAN, all of the events for that. That was much easier for me because although although I was at a state dinner where the president was as late as he is for all of his scheduled press briefings these days. It was three hours late, and I had like nine heads of state waiting at Sofitel. For those activities, uh, it's very clear to me, I am not working for the man, but the country is hosting this. So you have to help the country put its best foot forward, regardless of whether you accept the politicians that they had or not. In the end, for me, it is um, personal choice. For us in the government, if you are very careful and you don't and you are not absent all the time, you do have leave credits, mm-hmm. so you can go on leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yon, difficult.
0: Yeah. Is, is there? You think one thing I've always been sort of grappling with is just like with things like with COVID, where we have, we think, okay, this is the the reality of it. Is there a creative way to deal with it? Is, is there some kind of creative way to deal with those kinds of situations? You know, for example, with with when, when you know you are stuck um, with your circumstance, you can't help but um, either your job's on the line or social relationships are on the line. Uh, a creative way to deal with it, um, aside from that 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 you don't. I, I think the way you've you've, you've done is it, it's, it's pretty good. it's pretty uh, good. It's not a it's not a compromise per se, you know. Um, but for example, I, I always wondered, like for example, like with uh, this this it's a home camp like arete or even sa UP, with the whole thing also about inviting Marcos to watch and all that. Um, are there ways where institutions? We're, we're always saying that. Um, you have to i guess you have to be more than just your legacy you have to move you can move yeah. beyond it like with the ccp um is is there something where you know where where um i don't know is is, is there a way where um i, I
1: cuz i don't know yeah. because it depends on the institution and it depends on your supervisor i'm very lucky because yeah. i i grew up with my super we, we've been there for you know, it's the same number of years. Um, however, what I would say to 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 your students is to be careful. Uh, what yeah. I'm saying, in other words, when you enter a job, don't go on leave just for the sake of going on leave. Do your job well, ka. Mm, because yeah. you know, if you back yourself into a corner, you have no leave credits. Your boss has issues with you. Your etc. Then you have you don't have wiggle room. Right. I, uh, although I work where I work and I have all of these benefits, I will say that a lot of my wiggle room or my room to, to adjust things has been, and it sounds conceited, through my own efforts because I'm never absent. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, not never, but rarely, I'm rarely absent yeah. and because um, I take care of my relationships and all of that. So, uh, if I did not have that, then my personal choices would certainly be more limited. So when you enter an institution, you, you, they, they will immediately give you a briefing, right? On, okay, the, the, these are your entitlements, this is your job, etc. Don't use up all your entitlements. Build on things first. Keep building, building, building. Because honestly, all of these conflicts, they're not constant. They will come a few times each year, and but when they come, you have to be, you really have to be ready.
0: With looking switching that the topic on the other side, the on the on the terms of on on the what do you call this? The perspective of the audience. Because one one issue that also happens now is what they call in cancel culture, where basically where they say, oh, if someone you know. If, if we view them as, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they don't align with a particular value, then we have to cancel them, we boycott them, and all that. Um, some are arguing that maybe it's going a little too far, where, um, like, I remember, like, I think a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I read President Obama had a comment about that also, where he felt even in the US, for example, with um, some of the more liberal, uh, the, the Democrats and all that, um, may have been taking that a little, a little bit too far, and that you would, you certainly you, you can't expect everyone to be fully morally uh, pure in a way, because um, I just think like now with I personally believe the arts is a very powerful weapon in in, in, in trying yeah. to create a certain kind of culture, but if the main way of fighting um, you know uh, forces that sort of that that for lack of a better term evil forces out there in society, um, but if our weapon there is basically canceling, and it doesn't it sometimes become a a, a weapon that you know a double edged sword where we're sort of hitting ourselves more, when it doesn't really affect the other people. I I, I just wonder, for example, like with I remember when, when issues come with CCP with venues like CCP yeah. Arete, yeah, um, and they, and they say, oh, you know, they they did this, they slipped up with to point the point yeah, it's, it's not watch, it's boycott them, it's not watch. Does that actually weaken, you know, um? Uh, their side rather than the other side so what's and what's the how how do you think then patrons of the art supports the art should sort of navigate that and how other things that artists and the venues can do to help them uh, pr- promote that you know that, that different method of um,
1: no the, the, the way I see it is uh, okay if, if I am not in that position I am not in the position to make yeah. institutional decisions of Right now, the people who are in the position to to make decisions on behalf of their institution, including decisions to cancel or to to end an exhibit uh, earlier, such as what happened at the CCP, with anyway, um, all of these people uh, they worked hard so that they could make those decisions. But now, for to so they they could reach that point for all the rest of us. To my mind, it goes back to personal choice. Personally, I have never, ever unfriended someone who is of the opposite political belief. I have not unfriended anyone. I have not blocked anyone who does does not believe as I do. Uh, I have unfollowed, but that's simply because my news feed is just so busy. Um, The other thing I I, I think is you cannot be preaching to the choir. So we have to stop performing just for the people right. who already believe us we do. That's my personal belief. So if someone who, uh, who hates communists, for example, watches one of the plays in the lab, then well and good, baka ka or whatever, you know. It is a matter of personal choice, and personally, I will respect all of your choices except when they are not legal, mm. and except when they, you know, when when it comes to hurting. Now, right. of course, my counterpoint to that is you'd better respect me as well. Gamilang.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess. The, here, <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> yeah. No, okay lang. On the hot seat, on the hot seat. <laughs>
1: okay lang, okay lang. Oh,
0: so, no um um what does it do? though? No? Well, yeah, I, you know, basically um I, I guess just to wrap up um with um So, how how do you I don't know if we, we I guess we we sort of broached it a little bit earlier but um, how do you then see, uh, for example, the future of, of um, the performing arts, of, 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 of institutions like yours, venues, um, you know, as, as um, uh, after this whole crisis, this whole pandemic? Um, yeah,
1: I, I, I think. Do you know that in uh, the Great Depression, there is one industry that did not sink; it was the entertainment industry. Because people could not buy food, but they sure as heck wanted to be entertained. So it it it, it it's a tidbit that has stuck in my head. So, with that in mind, see history, see social sciences. With that in mind, I think give the audience time. After this pandemic, people will come back to the theater. I remain optimistic because people have been responding, and the arts has been responding to to the needs of the people. So it will, you know what I was telling JK the other day, you know, right now we listen to science because science, it is through science that this thing will be cured or managed. But after science has done that, then you go to the social sciences and to the arts for the long-term solution to many of our, Many of the issues that will remain after the physical has been cured. I, I really believe that. I don't believe that uh, the performing arts will disappear. I think that we will lose money for a year or two, but after that, aahon <laughs> tayo. Of course, the president is saying he's going to sell the CCP, in which case, I'm available like for hire. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, talaga. <laughs> After you have to every week. What's going to change now? What's he going to
1: sing
0: now? <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Do, do you think... <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that um, that with with the audiences even though live will not go away but do you think there's going to be a shift in the way um the audiences consume? like there, there's been a big um you know uptick in 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 like the theater industry has been booming the last few years you know um events and all that um like we one of my first guests in the class obviously was he, sir Fleur Quintos was talking to us and he was mm-hmm. basically saying that you know like with him events uh, whether Private events like weddings, corporate events, of course, and, and theater all that, it's all booming. And all of a sudden, now it, it came to you know a sudden halt. And so now we're you know, uh, as you said earlier, we're shifting to digital to sort of maintain that momentum, to you know, so that it, it stays. But um, do you think that it will, um, even though theater will not totally go away, is is there going to be a change in the way audiences? Uh, like, you think, do you personally think they're going to be more? um accepting of digital now like those who are sort of afraid of it um, or those who figure like uh, like who are afraid to 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 pay for something online might be more willing to, oh, I've donated that one so if I want to pay for something now I think, willing, I not think cool. or do you think yeah do you think that for example that the, the, what we mentioned earlier there where uh oh this is this was free before like during the in April and March why do I have to pay for it now is that going to be also uh, an issue down the line
1: I I I think number one um when when the CCP was built in 1969 uh, Imelda said that there were seven arts because at that time there were indeed seven arts as she defined it and then slowly um, film broadcast and new media came into being I think after COVID uh, there is a new means to bring the arts and it might even be a new art form which should be online, digital, whatever. I've, for all I know, it has been there all along. There is just a research... It, it, it's just surging right now. But I, I firmly believe that after... That with the addition of a new art form, this, the addition of a new art form does not mean the, the death of another. Now, if you go further... Sorry. If you go further, then... Um, People are just waiting. People are just waiting for physical contact again because we miss each other. So once that happens, even if there is the rule of social distancing, I have to believe that eventually people will gather again and go to the theaters. And the other thing we have to realize is because of the magic of medicine and all of that, our senior citizens are older than they used to be that if you're in yeah. your seventies metroana but now you know my my mother in law is eighty seven my father is eighty six and they're pretty healthy so you have all of those people who are not into the world wide web, so you have that significant chunk of your population as well, and then you have your performers who uh who will not let go of the thrill of a live performance. I do think, yeah. however, and I told this to our directors, that um, we are possibly entering a new age, the age of social distancing. And that will inform uh, many of our artistic choices. I was asking our directors, and they were literally scratching their heads. So we go, how do you block with social distancing in mind?
0: Mm.
1: How, how, how do you do the you know, how do you do that? Because what if the play calls for a kiss? So I'd, I have absolutely no idea right now. I have no idea. I, I I would imagine it's even more difficult for choreographers because it's such a physical thing. And then mm-hmm. you have I'm your athletes that, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. But um, we don't know. And since we don't know, I would like I, I really believe it, that we will find a way around it and that the performing arts will remain. It's just that you need people to hang on, copy it, kapit and then find ways around it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. is there. So, just make it like a talk. So, do you, so do you want to promote anything or <laughs> we'll promote it? No? Mot- Virgin yeah.
1: Lafayette, June 10 to 28. We will. Uh, a post on the Facebook page: the mechanics for the new format of Virgin Lab Fest, which I hope is only this year. <laughs> okay. Uh, eventually, I hope to see your students live and in person.
0: <laughs> yes, hopefully. Yeah, I if ever nice. you, know, if you have any questions, because uh, I might post this on on like, on YouTube and uh, so. So, have questions, I, I can I can forward them to you, or they can post in the comment yes. section. We can, uh, there. Sure. Last, um, lastly so. You don't. You. Do you ever imagine that where even though, of course, like Lab Fest, the live, uh, we'll go back to being live performance, uh, live performances starting next year. Do you think that the, the virtual aspect is something that can still be retained, uh, even as a segment of it, as a portion of it, depending I, on how?
1: I am. I am actually thinking that if we succeed, if we succeed with the digital aspect of it, it might be a whole new component of the Lab Fest. Yeah,
0: that like that means lab readings, test will will virtual readings. Yeah. No.
1: Because already already uh we are slowly digit uh we are slowly putting funds so that the at least we start with the revisited place. We we call them back and then we ask them to perform for the camera. Right. So Contrabida has a format in H D because in the future we were already thinking of streaming it like like the Met H D series. Yeah. So, maybe a lang kami na agahan ngayon. You know what I mean? Because th- there was already that thought. Because the problem of live performance is it's very ephemeral. After that, it's done.
0: Right.
1: Now, this exactly. is a way to extend its life, and maybe COVID forced us to do it earlier than expected.
0: Oh wait, so wait. Ma- so extend because interview. Um, because you guys, I one thing I always wondered: you guys do have archival footage, video with most of the most, if not all the performances at CCP.
1: Uh all of the performances where the owner of the copyright permitted us to document from 1969 mm. onwards and there are truthfully a few people who did not permit us to document essentially quite a number of the international
0: artists mm. but it's good about 98% so, of all shows is it an opt so is it an opt out thing like by default you will record it but, it but you have to let us know if you don't want so it's an opt out thing
1: yeah yeah because it's so, in the contract. Yeah. It's in the contract that um, uh, you, you permit the CCP to record. Exactly. It was in your contract to record for archival and marketing purposes. That's what it says there. Now, it is in the library and uh, students are permitted to watch, but they're not permitted to dub, dub.
0: Uh, without so, the express permission. So in terms of like going to copyrights, so, that means the CCB does not. You don't like. You don't have the broadcast rights, or, or, or no,
1: we don't. No, no, we don't. That's
0: why it's it's basically archival. So the like yes. Who who then owns the rights to those uh, those videos or those? Is it the, the owners or the? Cause like no um,
1: physical. Oh.
0: Because like what I understood like for that moment, that's looking at the intellectual property law, um like when it's audio visual, um copyright is joint between uh, I think the director, producer, scriptwriter. And I think even cinematographer. Unlike, for example, when it's written works, it's uh, it's sole ownership by author upon creation. When it's um, broadcast, I think it's upon broadcast and it's joint between because it's usually collaborative. So I was wondering when it's something like that, like when it's a theater play that's recorded. Um, that's why I'm not sure. Like when is when is um, uh, I, I would assume that the the uh, like with theater copyright. Uh, well, with with a uh, recorded performance. Uh, does the copyright of the video itself? Uh, does CCP have joint copyright with the creator, with the the, the writer director or
1: writer directorian for 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 the for theater because of the blocking? Mm-hmm. So whenever okay, what is in the contract? i the not but it's uh, for archival educational. I think educational is thrown in there. Eh? purposes which is which permits us to show it to students as long but as they barriers. do not dub. yeah. Now if it is a commissioned work if it is a play that say if it is a Rene Villanueva play that Tanghalang Pilipino staged then uh Rene whoever owns the copyright and uh, whoever directed it co owns it because of the the staging. Now if it is a work that Tanghalang Pilipino commissioned of, of whoever, of say Rodivera, then Tanghalang Pilipino would also own would right. be part the part of the that we would ask permission from. So we do it on a case-to-case basis where we're actually fairly strict about it. Even the scripts which are um, archived at the library, we do not allow photocopying of that mm. unless we have per- the there is express permission. From whoever owns copyright, and there are contracts for for all of them.
0: But for the, the recordings, so, so you're basically stewards of all those uh, yes. all that material.
1: Yes. But we that, are stewards. That is the right term.
0: Yeah, but the artists themselves still have rights, even to the recordings of that. I'm sorry. So, like the artists, like the, the the owners, the copyright holders, also have rights to the those recordings yes. also. Okay. Yes. So I can also get a copy of my my script. Yes, I yes. You are entitled to one copy. Oh, yeah. one. free copy,
1: copy, one free dubbing.
0: Oh, okay. I should get around. I should get around to doing that for ya. copy. Okay. So yeah. Anything. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> Thanks so much for ano. So um, Thank you yeah, for teaching this just... <laughs> time. <laughs>